This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, you guys? Sean Rossat, managing editor of Fightful.com here. NXT TakeOver Houston. We're talking about it tonight. we got Survivor Series tomorrow night. I'll keep all the plugs to the beginning and end of the show. Head over to Fightful.com where we have all your live coverage, podcasts, photos, videos, all that good stuff. ProWrestlingTees.com slash Fightful is a good way to support us. We have an all-star panel tonight. Of course, we're always there on the forums. We're always here on the podcast. Subscribe, like, thumbs up, all that good stuff. I am joined by a face you don't always see on pay-per-view nights, but you do tonight, Jeff Hawkins of the popular podcast Shake Them Ropes, as well as the, the post-Smackdown show here on Fightful.com. Jeff, how are you? I'm, I make special uh, special arrangements to come on your post-NXT shows. You're because, a part-timer. Uh, really You're a lazy part-timer. Lazy. Much like my other two co-hosts, Alex Pawlowski, who is former associate editor of Fightful.com. You can catch him on the Monday post-show podcast. Uh, Alex, how's it going, sir? Pretty good. I am the definition of a lazy part-timer. Uh, yeah, decided, ah, it's too hard doing 40 hours a week plus of editing for this website and well, taking 40 care of hours is a little jet. I mean, it was a lot more than that. Let's be real. Uh, I was, I'm just going to quit that and go back to just, <laughs> Hey, maybe I'll write a, <laughs> maybe I'll write an article about Marty Skrull's crazy gun umbrella. Well, you did. you did, you did write an article about his gumbrella and it is on fightful.com. It's great stuff. We are also joined by Anna Bauert, who is does a little bit of everything. She you may know her from Most Ridiculous or the post pay per view, post SmackDown shows. She's also uh, working for a promotion in Australia. Anna, how goes it? It goes well. So, what was that about calling me a lazy part timer as well, Sean? Well, huh? I mean, for fightful, you are. Excuse me. I'll say this. Once I get once I start writing my my retro reviews of all the That's wrestler true. appearances of of like what was it um price is right and uh what was that one i don't even know the australian version of it it's a really snarky woman hell i can't remember speaking of australia right now guys uh former fightful podcaster elias theodore is on the screen to my right he's competing against dan kelly at ufc sydney uh, so if if you hear me shriek in joy, it's because our boy Elias won. Uh, I'm not covering the event. I'm allowed to be a little biased while I'm on this show, but we got NXT TakeOver 
Houston war games to talk about. I'll go ahead and get the one glaring negative out of the way to me because it's something I want to talk about. Now, I'm, I've got three people who have been on screen, on stage. I find it very valuable on those post-Raw, post-Smackdown shows, especially to have people who are experienced in acting, who have seen good acting, who have seen bad acting, who have grown as actors and performers as well. I want to talk about the production of this show because it was straight-ass crap. It was real bad. Alex, uh, I often complain about the Zoom action. It was mm-hmm. so bad during this show that when Kyrie Sane did her stomping walk into the corner, yeah. the production guy, who apparently had no idea what he was watching, started to zoom in on her stomping on the ground. There was a spot in Nikki Cross's entrance when she hits the ropes, and they zoomed in on her. Mm-hmm. Why is this necessary? Why, why does this happen in 2017? <clears throat> I think we're all just old you know what I mean? Like the kids, the kids, they got to have wacky, crazy zoom angles and quick cuts and edits. Otherwise they, they get, they get bored and they, they change what they're looking at. Um, I, I hate it too. I, I've kind of grown accustomed to it. When you started pointing it out, I, I saw it more and I was like, Oh yeah, that does suck. But I've, I kind of become inured to it. Like it's just there. And I'm like, well, yeah, it's, that's just the way things are. And I have to accept it. I don't want to. I'm I'm all for you getting a billion retweets and uh, yeah. WWE addressing this. I retweeted it for you, buddy. I hope it happens. I hope we show WWE. Anna, as uh, Fightful's Pat Fannin pointed out, it was the woman from The Weakest Link that you were I know. Were I just posted it just posted it on Twitter, and I didn't want to interrupt you guys, but thank you, Pat. That's okay. But th- this happens a lot, Anna, and this was the only like really big, wide-open, glaring negative. I've never seen anybody stand up and say, oh, no, 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 I love the Zoom. i got to have more of the Zoom. I've never once said, seen that. And believe me, I've seen some people play devil's advocate for some pretty ridiculous shit in this line of work, but I've never seen that happen. Is there any real benefit from it? Like a couple of years ago, I noticed – at an NXT show, some guys would softball in their strikes. I don't see that anymore. I guess it's just another way of them trying to cover their butts in case something happens or it, it's like the main roster effect trickling down as to the people in the production truck don't exactly have faith in what the performers are doing. That's, to me, what it reads like, which is really damn stupid that's part of the problem i feel with wwe main roster is they don't have enough faith in their performers it's Um, it's funny it's funny you mentioned them covering their asses because once upon a time when they switched to hd there was like a decree handed down no more spray tans jeff that ain't the case anymore (laughs) no uh someone someone tell drake to work on his tan because uh that thing uh, yeah. Bart Thanks. Simpson refereed the main event tonight. <laughs> um, you know, on, on the uh, on the on the production, I, I, you know, I couldn't help but think that maybe they had just brought in one production crew in terms of guys who do the main roster, and then they said, "Hey, you can work NXT as well." And they didn't know some of the beats there for Nikki or Kyrie mm-hmm. on that. Um, the other thing, I'm going to take a friend of mine's point, and I thought it was really really good. They should have brought in Jackie Crockett to come in here and teach them some of the logistics and production of shooting with two rings. They should because have. 
this is a first time for everybody on that staff. And it showed because there were some glaring, glaring misses when, when it came to camera positioning on this show tonight. Um, but as a show as a whole, it didn't detract too much from it, but I think they should have brought in someone from the, from the Crockett territory to show them, you know, here's some problems you might have during this match or with two rings in terms of the crowd and stuff. Cause you could see they were doing like one match in each ring to kind of balance it as well. So um, I, I think hopefully in the future, if they bring this gimmick back, it'll go a little bit smoother. Actually, I heard Bruce Pritchard talk about it on this week, his podcast about how he would always pitch the war games and the two rings. And Vince didn't like the idea because it killed off too many seats mm-hmm. and it caused complications because of the hard camera. So I think that's, that's a very good point, Jeff. Uh, other than that, I thought this show was really, really good. Let's go ahead and get into it. Pre-show and backstage stuff. The iconic duo interview themselves backstage. Really like that. They, they have just expanded and done so well. There's a lot of time putting over the war games match. And I think it's very effective. The, the, the packages that they did a lot of empty seats in Houston. Did you expect that Jeff, even after coming off of what they just came off of with the hurricane and all that? Um, yeah. Uh, not as many as, as I thought, but Houston around Close to Thanksgiving, it's not going to be a travel destination for a four-day trip. You're just going to get the locals and people who are in driving distance. And, you know, and because NXT is already kind of a niche product, I mean, I I wasn't expecting that many. I was expecting them to tarp off the upper bowl because that's kind of their move when they have these big stadium shows for NXT because they did that in Brooklyn. Uh, the first year and then the second year they they sold enough but they didn't sell out till very very late um i you know i i'm a little disappointed by the attendance but i understand with timing of the year and everything why it was like that as well so anna even last night's san antonio show didn't sell out but ring of honor was right up the road they did sell out was that a surprise to you considering nxt tried their best to stack the deck last night with they put on a pay-per-view match in Velveteen Dream versus Aleister Black the night before the show. They put on a title match in Adam Cole versus Drew McIntyre. They had Shawn Michaels come in and ref the match. They really put as much as they could into that show. Was the disparity in attendance, was that surprising to you at all? I think a lot of people would have – I mean, this kind of goes against my thinking considering how empty the arena actually was tonight. But the general thought would have been, well, I just I'll go for the pay per view and then just leave this and bring a runners up the road, so it would work out. It, I mean, good on them for for trying to compete, but at the same time, it kind of feels like, well, why not just put everything then into the pay per view if you know you're going to come up against the audience generally not wanting to go to this kind of a show or this type of time of year. Alex, what do you think that this means for Survivor Series, Raw, and SmackDown attendance? Because they're in the same town the next three nights. Survivor Series, I don't think, will be hurt by this because they have some pretty big dream matches. I mean, Styles and Brock and New Day versus The Shield and Survivor Series gimmick of those big matches, I think, uh, will will carry the day. I don't know about uh, Raw and SmackDown. They've both been having really tough um, uh, attendance recently and because of the nature of survivor series they kind of had a stop the build 
for anything. Like the past month just been like, hey, I'm on team red, you're on team blue, and I hate you. And and that's gonna be all over at the end of the show tomorrow. And then we gotta like start cranking stuff up again. So it's like nobody really knows what to expect. Is is the Raw after Survivor series on par with the Raw after SummerSlam? I don't think it is yet. Maybe that's what they do on Monday is show that it should be viewed that way, but they haven't showed that as of yet. So I don't know what they're going to do on Monday and Tuesday. Yeah. Let me jump in here. The, 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 those four day taping schedules, there's only two of them. that are really all that important. There's the one after Royal rumble, which gets you on the road to WrestleMania. And there's the one after WrestleMania, which is always the big one as well. Even the one after SummerSlam, you know, there's there, the, the, the SmackDown tapings at least, I don't think we're well attended compared to the raw. There was a drop off even at mania when I went this year between raw attendance and SmackDown attendance. I don't understand why you'd have the tapings in Houston when there's no, there's no event to bring in the people that went to survivor series the previous night, thinking that something huge is going to happen either Monday or Tuesday. That that's what I don't get. To answer a question in the chat, somebody says, will there be an MMA pod after this? Not unless I'm just too wired because there's a lot of work to be done. I'm trying to keep it, keep my attention on this show while this other show is on my screen. So uh, I would say about a 5% chance, but uh, it will be covered at some point, even if it's in a brief video tomorrow afternoon or something like that. Let's get into this show. Asuka, Finn Balor, Samoa Joe, Kevin Owens, Funaki, Dustin Rhodes, Arn Anderson, and members of the WWE-UK uh, division essentially are all shown ringside, including a shot of Asuka that, where you can just see all those empty seats. That was rough production. But what wasn't rough production was her dancing because that was fantastic. <laughs> the best. It was, it was the best. First match, Lars Sullivan, Cassius Ono. It goes about five minutes. Lars Sullivan gets the win. Okay, so this match was fine. I don't know. I mean, I've seen a lot of, like, praise for Lars Sullivan, and I had mentioned this to you, Jeff, prior, and you, Anna, on the Tuesday show. Like, I didn't know if it was, like, sarcastic love of Lars Sullivan. I thought this match was solid, but I don't know if I get the fuss Alex, we haven't spoken to you about Lars Sullivan. What are your thoughts on the guy? Well, I mean, I don't know what his work rate is, but he's got the look. Like, he, like there, sure. there are very few dudes in wrestling anymore who look like this guy. Like, he looks straight out of 1985. Like, he would work against, you know, Hogan or something. Like, he's just this giant monster. And that's cool. That's it, It's kind of unheard of. He looks and, like if they put Marcus Louise in that Bane machine from <laughs> Batman Forever or whatever it was. Yes. Lars Sullivan is what pops out. Yes, yes, he does. He does look like Marcus Louise, as you call him, <laughs> on on Venom. Um, yes, I I, I agree. Um, but I, I know I I I like what I've seen from him. I I liked the original thing they had for him where he was like such a sore loser he would destroy his much smaller tag partners after they lost to established tag teams and then would afterwards would be apologetic like he was a kind of like you know had like psychotic breaks and then came back and it was okay that was interesting but now it was just this force of nature i'm cool with it and i think cassius ono was the perfect guy to put him over yeah. because ono got in all of his stuff and actually looked good doing it but that ridiculous, like, got you by the waist, pick you up, put you on your back thing 
that's it. That's it when he hits that. And it, the, the whole thing was really great. I loved him getting kicked in the face by, by Ono while he was on the ground and him screaming at him, I will end you. That's it. I'm done. <laughs> if I'm Ono, I just like, I get on the map and I, and I tap out, right? At that point, I'm, I think I'm okay, guys. You can take this from here. Yeah, I think that finish is absolute <laughs> dog duty. It's trash. It's garbage. I hate it. Uh, I was incredibly impressed with his strength, just as I was Cassie Sono's agility. And every time Cassie Sono has a match like this, I'm impressed with his agility. I just, I think at some point it's going to go away and it just never does, despite how big he gets, how small he gets. It's always still there. Uh, There was a pop-up power slam that I thought that Lars Sullivan did that looked real good. But for a five-minute match, this this was good stuff. Anna, what did you think? I really enjoyed it. Um, I love that his finisher is called Freak Accident as a throwback to the times that he, by mistake, decided to turn on all his tag partners and kill. Um, this match did what I was hoping it to do. It gave Ono some offense and it put a dent in Sullivan, but not enough that could actually weaken him as a character or him moving forward at all. They there were some really damn stiff hits and kicks from Ono to Sullivan in his face and his head that actually made me yell at my screen. Just stop. Just stop. Um, but I think if, if anyone's able to take it, it will be him. I just like the whole build up to this match was based on the fact that Ono wanted to take down the biggest guy in the roster. And their only real point of contention face-to-face in the lead-up to this was Ono running out to to stop Sullivan beating up the guy that he crushed anyway at last NXT, and then Sullivan walking off and laughing in his face. (laughs) And that's all they needed for this. And to actually give Sullivan an opponent that could actually hurt him, I thought was really cool. A, A couple of the matches tonight did that in that they gave them a different kind of opponent which could bring out another shade of their character. And so tonight we got to see him challenged and see this absolute psychotic beast come out, and it was really damn cool. F, your thoughts on the match? I'll, I'll get the good out of the way first. I think Chris, Chris Hero, I think Cash Ono was the opponent to put in <laughs> and put him in with to make him look good. I, I and, and it was a good match. I, I really enjoyed it for what it was. Lars Sullivan has a problem and it's that he's, he's a strong man, but he's not exemplary in anything. He does the basic stuff. I, I, I'd, I'd, I'd compare him to big John stud right now, except he doesn't have the height. He's not as strong as Braun. He's not, he doesn't do, I mean, he, and he's in the land of giants. So there's a, I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. There's a bit of a problem here compared to the other big men they already have on the roster. I mean, he doesn't have the charisma. Of, he doesn't have the charisma of Big E, the aura of Brock Lesnar, the strength of Braun right. Strowman. He's 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 not bad at like a lot of those things. He he doesn't have the wrestling pedigree of of hardly any of them, or like he doesn't have right shots in, in a, a world of- that kind of fetishizes giants. Mm-hmm. He needs you have to be now a giant with a hook to yourself in order to get over on the main roster. And that is his problem right now. The other thing I thought was a mistake was to have both Ono and later Drew McIntyre both do kip-ups. I think they're both impressive as hell for men of their size, 
but it, again, it loses it, it, it. It's the Luke Harper problem where, where he does dives and stuff. And you just expect a guy of that size to be able to now do dives at the two Oh five guys do. I, I would have only let one of them do the kip up to be honest with you. But I liked that spot with the clothesline from, uh, from Ono when, when he took that after the kip up, I really liked that. But uh, yeah, it, it was fine. This is Lars's introduction to getting more of a push. It felt like Vince was producing the match too, because the, the use of the word decimate over and over and over again is in that WWE. WWE thesaurus that they keep by the production table over there. <laughs> I would Sorry. argue right now, though, that Lars doesn't have to be anywhere near as good as those guys you mentioned. No, he doesn't. Because, because he's he's really young. Like He's only been on TV for what, several months, not a full year. And the thing that I think there's a lot of stuff they can find with him. Apparently, he's got ridiculously large hands, like way too big. He does. So I think that the thing that he could they could give to him is like that iron claw, like him just crushing a dude's head in one uh, hand. You could do that. Like that's better than this pickup thing and squish. You know, like there's other yeah. stuff they could do. Uh, I also also wanted to mention that you had uh, Cassius Ono come out as the babyface in Duke gear. Come on, what what team is more heelish than Duke? He sh- he was in Houston. He should have worn 1994 Houston Rockets throwback gear. It would have been huge with the crowd and put him over even more. I agree. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a very good point. And this is ultimately developmental, so yes. he's got a a long way to go. Elvatine Dream and Alistair Black. This is my match of the night for. Many reasons. I thought this was outstanding sports entertainment that turned into outstanding wrestling. Like the first several minutes of this match, I looked and I was like, ah, this isn't what I expected. And then it turned into what I knew it could be from an in-ring perspective. Uh, I wrote that Alistair Black's theme makes me want to go smash the gingerbread house I made today with a rolling pin. Just, Just the mood it gets me in. Huge Velveteen chance to start off the start off the match. Did that surprise you, Jeff? Uh, no, not at all. <laughs> it doesn't just because of the number of uh, sports entertainment people that are probably in that crowd at, that have crossed over to NXT. It's not just the diehard indie people who would love Aleister Black. It's also the people who would love this Velveteen Dream gimmick. Uh, Alex, let's talk about how this man was beaten on Tough Enough by Josh. He and Sonya Deville, both beaten by Josh. Yep. It's amazing. Yeah, uh, yeah I, I, uh, I I don't know, man. This is uh, tough enough, whatever. Like the fact that Pat, like Patrick Clark, before he became Velveteen Dream, has come so far from when he was wrestling with like bald eagle American <laughs> flag airbrush tights when he was like an enhancement talent. Just this really well-built young black kid. And then, then he did this weird thing on the house shows where he was like wearing a Trump shirt to get heat. Like that was weird. But but he went to them, became the Patrick Clark experience where he was obviously playing Prince. And that didn't go over. They had, they had to rejigger that a little bit to get to become the Velveteen Dream. And like he's he's come so far since I first saw him uh, on NXT doing like random, you know, quick little squash matches where he would get beat. He's, he's in this, that was not that long ago. He's no, done really, really great stuff. And so quickly there's the world is this kid's oyster. He's 22 years old. 
Like, I, I can't wait to see where he goes from here. Anna, one of the big talking points as it pertains to Velveteen Dream is his gimmick and perhaps a ceiling, whether it be an NXT or the main roster. If crowds keep reacting to him like this, that ceiling gets higher and higher. But can can this be appreciated on a grand scale as opposed to a smaller scale like this? I was thinking about this during the match. I saw him, well, obviously when they came out to Australia last December, and even then this was probably the beginning, well, the foundations of this character now. And he worked the crowd. He handled himself so well. And he's just soared ever since then. And there is so much in this guy. I don't know what when he eventually gets to main roster, what they're going to do. And it kind of terrifies me, but that's a feeling I have with a lot of these folks in NXT who I absolutely love and just kind of don't want main roster to get their hands on them um, for booking reasons. But this was a kind of match. This is my favorite kind of wrestling match where the technique is all there, but it's about character and it's about story. They use the difference in experience, I think it was like 15 years for Alistair Black compared to nearly three years for Velveteen Dream. And they tied it it together and they worked together so well that it wasn't just, they made themselves look good, but it was like everything they did perfectly complemented the other person. Like just from mimicking each other and bringing out these different sides, like Alistair Black we got to see another side of his personality. This guy can't be beaten in the ring. He hasn't been yet. But this is the way to get to him is the psychology of it. And it got to him so much that he went out of what he normally does as this mystery man and he started trolling Velveteen Dream by doing the saunter thing along the ground. And it just, I love this so much. And it was, this is a kind of innovation and freedom that NXT and the, particularly the takeovers always show that this is what makes it above main roster for me. This is what I love about independent wrestling and NXT is like the perfect hybrid of it. I have been sent some information by somebody I'm messaging in WWE that Drew McIntyre is hurt and I've got some more information. We'll get to that at the end of that match. Uh, so this this match in particular, uh, they, they started to switch rings, as Jeff mentioned, from left to right, left to right. And I, I saw David Bixenspan mention it's kind of fair to the crowd because you got to do that. It's other, other than just have them all in one. This was just really good. There was an unbelievable springboard moonsault that was timed perfectly by Aleister Black, just perfectly. Uh, Velveteen Dreams cartwheel Death Valley driver looks awesome, and he's – He's just so deceptively, like, his size is very deceptive, almost. Like, he looks like he's, like, 6'4", 6'5", but he's 6'2". The crowd just comes unglued. There's this really, really good swaying DDT that he hits that looks incredible. Velveteen gets locked in the ropes. Just point after point after point. This told an incredible story. Even until the very end, like, Black gets the win with Black Mass. And then he gets on the mic and he says Velveteen Dream's name and says, enjoy your infamy. Jeff, this was storytelling at its finest, like for a match that had zero stakes, no stakes at all. Yeah, I thought it was a really good uh, story match. Uh, 
I, I think a lot of a few people overpraise it, but I don't mean that to say that it was a bad match. I think a lot of people overpraise it. I think Alistair Black the, the way I compared it to was Charlotte and Natty in that first match for the NXT women's title. I think in the in the parts where it, it was kind of uh needed needed to be led through, I think Alistair Black did a fine job doing that with with, uh, with Velveteen Dream. I <laughs> my two thoughts outside of the match itself. I'd love for the street profits to be Patrick Clark and Montez Ford. My God, that would be a great team. And the other thing was I, I was, I'm, I'm upset that they don't do excursions for guys this young, because I could really love to see Patrick Clark and Leah go somewhere for a couple of years and come back because this is going to be an interesting time after this match for Patrick Clark's development as to whether or not he becomes that, really strong in-ring guy as strong as he is a personality guy which was what this match showed off it showed off that he is a personality who can carry off a match now whether or not the ability then catches up this is kind of that crossroads right now where you either develop by you know steel sharpening steel or you kind of get into your kind of complacency so i'm going to be very interested to see that but overall you know for his first big other than the squash I think he had on, on the last takeover, this was a fine, fine coming out party for Patrick Clark. Anna, we saw a lot of Rick Rude mannerisms from the thrust to the tights to the neck breaker. He even did like like a chin lock camel clutch type of thing like Rick Rude used to do. There were a lot of you can tell there's a lot of inspiration from that character. What do you what did you think of the tights and all that stuff? He's gotta <laughs> be hoping that he faces Alistair Black some more. So he can get some more use out of those tights. When he walked out in, before the tights reveal, I I loved it. It was like straight out of an early '90s music video, and then the tights reveal, and it was just perfect. I really like. I mean, people will probably complain about it. It's so unoriginal, but nothing's original. Everything's like in, inspired from something, and if something's a little more overt in the inspiration, then. It's still fine. He's not going out there trying to be Rick Root. He's doing his own thing, paying, you know, paying respect to these guys, well, to this guy. And he's just, I love him. I love him so much. I can't wait to see where he goes with this. We need more airbrushing in wrestling. Yeah, we do. Mm-hmm. We do. Ryback <laughs> ruined it for us for a while, but yeah. it's making a comeback. Yeah. And yeah, it Rob ruined Man, a lot yeah. of things. I think that should be, that should be the height of a feud if you have your face airbrushed onto someone else's crotch yeah that's it that should be like a stipulation like loser has their face airbrushed on the crotch of somebody's tights (laughs) like that's it that's it alex your your thoughts on this match it it was my match of the night yeah uh, i don't know if it was my match of the night but it was it was great and somebody posted this on twitter and i retweeted it uh conservatively this match has been about 46 trillion times better than i thought it was going to be Mm-hmm. Like, like I honestly did not have high expectations for this match, um, but I'm, I'm, I'm so happy that I was wrong. Um, we have to get a name for that ridiculous DDT thing that Clark hit uh, Alistair Black with. Um, it, like, was it was in a Sister Abigail, and then he put his arm around behind his head and hit the DDT swaying like that was. That thing was nuts. I don't know, nuts. Somebody was saying Dave Crisp does it. I, I've never, I've never seen it before. It was, it was, uh, it was fantastic. Um, 
this this whole match, the story was laid out so well that I think about four minutes before the match ended, I tweeted out how I would end the match. And they basically did that exact same thing because it was so perfect. Black wins, but he's got so much respect for this kid. He act, After the match, he gets on the mic and says his name. And it's perfect. It's perfect. Mm-hmm. Like, that's exactly... I don't know if that's considered a face turn because now they're like, yeah. have respect for each other. But but I don't think it needs to be. I think Patrick, you know, Villachine Dream, because that's his name now, uh, is is enough of a, a an enigmatic character that depending on who he's feuding against, he could go either way. The crowd certainly loves him. Um, and he's come a very long... When, they, when he first de- debuted the Patrick Clark experience, he came to the ring and was like making kissy faces at his opponent, which was a really weird thing because then opponent got to be like make yucky faces and that's never good where you have one guy like making what appear to be romantic overtures toward another guy and that guy gets to you know like oh that's disgusting i don't think we need that in 2017 but that's like whatever it is now it's not in any way homoerotic it's just flamboyant and that's enough you know like there's some really cool stuff where like there's some gray area there which is good but it's not like overtly like this guy's the heel because he might be gay. That's the thing that I saw the first time the Patrick Clark experience debuted. And that's mm-hmm. all gone and good for NXT for getting rid of that because that could have sunk him entirely. Well, I think the thing is like it, we're not that far for, removed from him being an enhancement talent. He yeah. was Patrick Clark this year. Yeah. So I think that some people may still view him as that despite his young age, 22 and I mean, we've seen fighters in the UFC if they want to want to draw a comparison, like like a Max Holloway, who a few years ago he was getting beaten. He's the world champion now. That that can happen with experience, uh, perhaps the Patrick Clark experience. But when when this happens and Velveteen Dream like is like he gets that satisfaction of having his name said, like that, I think that almost solidifies him in a sense, like. That's a way of saying, okay, this guy isn't a scrub. He's not just somebody who attacks people from behind. He's not an enhancement guy. He's not a guy struggling to find his identity. Aleister Black beat him and respected him. I thought it was a real rub, even in a loss. I thought it was the perfect way that you put somebody over, even in a loss. I thought it was really good. Really good stuff. Also really good stuff. Ember Moon defeated Nikki Cross, Peyton Royce, Kyrie Sane to become NXT Women's Champion. I thought that Peyton Royce's entrance screamed star in the making. She had a really, really great presence. Billy Kay leaves her at the ramp to uh, compete by herself. This is another match that I thought kind of got pillaged by production. Really cool spot early on where Ember Moon leapfrogs Kyrie Sane, and that leads to Peyton getting speared. Uh, really good work from all involved here. Just really good stuff. The only problem I had with this match was a Tower of Doom spot because later on we would see one in the main event. And they seem to happen in every single women's match. There's also a spot where a pin breakup didn't happen in time <laughs> and the ref had to kind of slow his count. Jeff, how can they prevent this? Can, can we call up Rob and say, Rob, Former referee, how would you handle this? 
no, because it's not on the ref. It's on Kyrie saying to get in there and break up the pin. Um, I, I think you do this by not uh, by either having the ref call it as a shoot, as he probably should have, or you stop with all the set pieces in the middle of 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 matches and just kind of have more of a natural flow to it. Uh, I didn't mind the tower of doom spot. I understand I'm, I'm done with tower of doom spots, to be honest with you, but I thought this one was nice and that they didn't wait for it. It was just Peyton going up and throwing, doing the German uh, into the superplex as opposed to that, you know, the pause is everybody ready. Okay. On three go. It was just kind of a real fluid type of thing. I, I agree. I loved that spear spot quite a bit. Um, I thought, uh, Nikki Cross took an amazing power bomb on the outside. That oh my god! Like it hurt. <laughs> but uh, no, I, I enjoyed this match a lot more than I thought I would um, at first because I, I'm kind of done with four ways, um, and especially in the women's division, it uh, has a lot to live up to with the first horsewomen NXT takeover four way there. Uh, but Ember Moon, now that you look back on it it made sense for her to win because it's because it, I forgot she was from Texas. I did um, too. And the, and having Oscar in the audience there was, was nice for the whole, uh, uh, you know, ret- not retribution, but, uh, you know, po- get, get, getting the win and, and, you know, passing the torch type thing. And, you know, you can put it on any of these other three women at any time now. So, uh, Ember hit a fantastic eclipse on both Peyton and Nikki and then pins Nikki. It's amazing how well she pulls that move off almost all the time. I really feel that if Ember Moon can capture that that promo side of things, she could be something special. But all of her promos sound like she's practicing in the mirror stilted. at home. They sound very yeah. stilted. Well, it sounded like they had to chop up hardcore just for the pre-match promo. It was, it was rough. Anna, what did you think of the match in the ring? Yeah, didn't expect that ending. It you know it obviously makes a lot of sense, and they've been building her for a few, couple of pay per views now. So I'm very happy for her. Very interested to see how they do cover the promo side of it. Obviously, they have the faith in her to, that she can do this, and that's why she's in NXTs for the coaching. So I'm excited to see where where she goes with this. I love that Oscar wanted to hand her the belt. I thought that was just awesome. Title, sorry, title. Um, and the beginning part of Peyton Royce walking out to the ring with Billy Kay and Billy stopping her, having a word in her ear, her ear saying, no, this is, I'm not allowed down there. And the look on her face, I loved that entire part that also made me go, okay, Peyton isn't winning this. Um, aside from that, same spearing Royce <laughs> with the Ember's split jump out of the way was awesome. And tonight was the night of short girls wrestling, and I'm all for it. We lost Alex, so I wish he was here to play devil's advocate. He's, he liked the idea of Ember winning. I was a well, depending on where they go with it, initially I thought, I don't know how that looks. The woman who couldn't ever defeat Asuka winning the championship right after Asuka leaves. But really, the only other way you could go with that is Kyrie Sane. And I didn't think it was the right time for Kyrie Sane to win it either. Peyton Royce is ideally the way I would have went personally because there hasn't been a heel champ, a real heel women's champion in NXT for years at this point. Now, if this means that maybe Peyton and Billy are getting called up, hey, so be it. Because 
those two girls, at least their characters, would be exceptional in the main roster. And we've seen with Alexa Bliss that they can hide a lot of in-ring weaknesses with strong characters as it as it comes to that. But I, I they could take this a different direction with Ember. Maybe she would be more natural as a heel. I don't know. Jeff, where where do you think it goes with Ember? Where where does she go from here? Because after Peyton, it's like Sonya Deville who, spoiler alert, lost to Ruby Riot on the the tapings tonight. I think it depends how they reset this thing because I you know what I was I was watching this match wondering if they're going to bring up anybody, and I would I was thinking the iconic duo would be the two that are the most ready in terms. Say goodbye your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done terms of how they present people uh to go up uh you know i i kind of had a bit of a problem with oscar giving the belt to to ember moon uh the visual at least because it's like i understand that they think that it's helping ember moon in some ways i don't i think it's just a reminder oh yeah you remember ember moon uh lost to oscar because oscar cheated first thing i thought (laughs) And then, and then it's like, uh, you know what? Just let her stand on her own. She doesn't need the help. I mean, that that to me makes you a stronger champ than 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 the visuals of, you know, hugs and all these other things have kind of been overdone in the women's division on NXT quite a bit. Um, you know, I I don't know where the, I mean, I might turn Ember heel here and have her feud with Kyrie Sane. I would probably go the heel route too, and I would probably have her be a little bitter that Asuka couldn't beat her in a fair manner, like run with it, because it's rooted in truth. So, I mean, she can be a heel, but just be obnoxious in doing so. And, and the other person—oh, sorry—I was gonna—I was gonna add the, add the other direction you could go other than Sonya Deville is Bianca Blair or Belair. That, that's very true. That's very true, uh, Anna. Where where do you see this NXT women's division going from here? And even where do you see Peyton and Billy by the time 2018 rolls around? I just wanted to make a point on the discussion about Oscar handing the belt to her, the title to her. I don't see it like that. It's not like Oscar climbed into the ring and, and beat up a bunch of chicks for her. It was a, it was a sign of respect. And it also, it's completely in line with how they're presenting Oscar on the main roster so far when she went in to check on Dana Brooke after Dana was kicked out of the ring and then she then killed Dana Brooke after that. But it's they're building up, I think, something interesting with Oscar here and I think that was completely in line with that. Um, in terms of where they go, 
I think there's going to be a lot of the women from the tournament being implemented more. Um, the iconic duo who, by the way, gave the most Australian red carpet speech in the pre-show. Like that's the kind of stuff that you see at the AFL award show of like really very Aussie. I won't say Bogan, just like ultra Aussie girls dressed to the nines and then sounds like they've been drinking goon all night and lead up to being on the red carpet. Um, but yeah, main roster for sure. I think main roster could definitely benefit from those girls at the moment. I wasn't concerned about what it did for Oscar. I think she was going to be fine no matter what. I was more put off as to what it did for the NXT women's championship and for Ember, like, like unless, like I said, I reserve my judgment for a week or two, whenever the, these, she cuts a promo, her first promo after this. And maybe she says it was a nice moment, but I didn't need her in that ring. And she's, kind of snooty about it, but we'll, we'll see how that goes. Andrade CN Almas is the NXT champion. Now I'll, I'll go ahead and address this. And apparently triple H has said this on his interview with Kathy Kelly too. Uh, Drew McIntyre is hurt. I was told that when he came back through the curtain, he was upset and dejected and disappointed. And they don't know if he's torn his bicep, but uh, it's looking like it. And he's going to have an MRI soon, and that's that's bad. That's not good for him. I thought this was a great match. I thought this was maybe the best NXT Championship match in a long, long time because I wasn't. I haven't been a big fan of them in the. I wasn't a big fan of them in the Nakamura era or the Joe era or even a lot of them in the Balor era. But I think that this Drew McIntyre, if Drew McIntyre right now, this guy was just teleported back to two thousand two, two thousand three. I think he gets the Randy Orton spot that Randy Orton eventually got. Like he would have been that guy. He would have been something special and maybe he still can be He's still very young in this match. They play the hits and play them. Well, uh, deadlift sit out power bomb overhead, belly to belly suplex. Almost throws caution to the wind and does a moonsault to the outside of the ring from the top rope. First off, I want to talk uh, Alex. Zelina, Alex is back, by the way. We'll get his thoughts on the women's match in, in moments. But Zelina, <laughs> no, no, we moved added, on. We don't get <laughs> Zelina has added so much to Almas's character and his career. Turned it around. Yeah, uh, this guy came in at a takeover to the end, uh, June of 2016, um, which was named after his career at that yeah, point yeah, based on the outfit they gave him. Yeah, my God. With his little suspenders and his hat. Oh, yeah. Oh, God, it was terrible. And um, they booked him to go over Ty Dillinger, who was super over as the heel everyone wanted to be a face. Uh, and his little, like, he would smack his thighs before he would do his running knees in the corner. That was his finish at the time. And he went over, and nobody was like, it was like, ah, okay. Like, it was like, hey, we kind of missed the mask. Even though you're really good looking, we kind of missed the mask, Lissombra. And from then on, it, like, his whole baby face run was just weird. It was just not right. Um, uh, the Dusty Classic last year, they had him team with Cedric Alexander. They had one match before the Classic, uh, during which I christened them Cedric Almazander. Uh, and I, cause I thought they were a really, really, really good team and they worked really well together. Then they had a match against, uh, against the revival and they lost. Uh, and, uh, he turned heel on Cedric and it was great. 
it was great. Like everything he's done in the past year. Um, I, I really love him as a heel, them building this whole thing around the guy who doesn't really care if he wins or loses. And then Zelina comes in and says, what are you doing? And slaps some sense into him. All that is fantastic. Everything that he has done has been one right step after the other until he got to here tonight. And they put the title on the right guy. This guy has been a rocket for the past year. I'm so happy for him. Incredible character development. Jeff, isn't it wild to think that this same woman was in TNA seven years ago? <laughs> seven years ago. Like January, it would be seven years. I keep hoping this means that Austin Aries is coming back too. Um, I, you know what? She, she's, she's great. I would have only used her once in this match though, for interference purposes. I think that is the thing that was, that's been kind of, kind of eaten at me a little bit about the finish to this match. Cause I like, I like having my champions kind of have that legitimacy on their first win kind of thing. I don't mind them stealing by hook or by crook. Don't get me wrong. I don't mind that part. I just, I just think the Zelina interference two or three times was a bit much for the match. Um, and also just to go back to our production note, um, they, they missed the shot on that moonsault to make it really look impressive. That, that the, the replay made it look far more impressive than the, than the original shot did. That's, that was a bit of a problem, but overall really liked the match really kind of bummed now for drew McIntyre because I saw him that night. He showed up in NXT work a great indie match and then leave uh, to drive down the Orlando parkway to get to NXT in time. Um, but I'm interested to see what, what they do with them. I'm hoping they get, uh, I mean, with uh, with seeing Almas, I hope they give him the Ingle Nobles suit back. And uh, now Dave Meltzer can stop whining about wanting him to leave. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, like I said, I mean, it still boggles my mind. Six and a half, seven years ago, she and Sarah Stock were just, they were there in TNA, and WWE has made incredible use out of both of them. That isn't always the case with people that they get. Uh, that has been the case with them. Just, just outstanding stuff. There's a re- the only spot I didn't really like in this match was that dumbass double stomp spot where the opponent has to hold onto the top rope. Otherwise, I thought that, especially the process of getting from Drew's future shock DDT into the Lasombra. DDT was just amazing. Anna, did you happen to see the DDT that uh, Drew did last night at the live event? No, I haven't seen it. Oh my god, it's worth going out of everybody's way to go see. Drew takes he grabs like a, the future shock double underhook, swings the guy around. I think it was Adam Cole, and then hits the DDT. Like, yeah, just it was awesome. Uh. Drew injures himself on the rope, not the legit injury from what I understand, but almost wins the title with a sick-looking DDT. What did you think of the call to go with Andrade Cien Almas as NXT champion? Because usually, Anna, it, it seems like they, they like to go a little bit longer with their champions in this. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the call I made. Um, I'm even more so now knowing that the injury was legitimate. Um, but I was legitimately sad that he lost the title. His McIntyre's first promo after winning it, I was hooked straight away and was on board. And I think he was on Jericho's podcast and that just made me love him even more. And then knowing how much this whole thing means to him 
Um, and I know it's all predetermined, all that kind of crap, but it does. It, it means a lot to these guys and you can see it and you could see, you knowing that the injury was there as well, but you could see the disappointment on his face and it was just kind of heartbreaking. Um, I'm really happy for Alma. So Zelina is, she's, she's dreams, man. She's goals. She attempted a hurricane runner on Drew McIntyre <laughs> and he just stopped her and then placed her back on the ring. <laughs> that was awesome. And then she actually did the spike runner, which was then followed up by a hemlock DDT from Almas onto McIntyre. This match was the best championship match in a very long time. Anna, do you and think, think we see her integrated into that women's division so at all? Long. I would love that eventually. I think it's going to take a little time to get there. Mm-hmm. Um, I think she's still needed here. I don't. I don't think he's quite ready to to go out there on his own. I kind of want to see her walk to the ring with the title around her belt, just for shits and giggles. Well, I mean, we we could see a situation where Andrade Cien Almas is like, "Hey, you help me get a title. Let me help you get a title," type of thing. Uh, and she's she's no rookie. She's somebody that's been wrestling for years and years and years. Uh, Jeff, anything to add to this this championship situation, this championship match? No, I said everything I wanted to say. I really liked that, but I did really like that first uh, Hurricanrana spot uh, where she was just placed gingerly on the apron. I thought that was really, really clever. I liked that a lot. No surprise, NXT's headed to Philadelphia for their next takeover in January. But after these upcoming tapings, no full sale for a little while because they're, they're scheduling conflicts. Uh, Triple H noted that that is their home, but just as NXT is growing, so is full sale. So no full sale for a little while after November, it looks like. Maybe unless there's one in December I'm missing. I was able to take in a full sale taping a couple months ago. It was, it was okay. I mean, bleacher seats for four or five hours is not fun. That kind of sucks. The crowd gets a little bit out of it. You've got your typical people that are yelling at Drew McIntyre and calling him Drew Galloway and calling everybody by their indie names. You're going to have that anywhere. Alex, your thoughts on them moving away from full sale, whether it be their decision or not. Right. Everyone was kind of panicking like, oh, my God, NXT is going to change now. They're, they're you know, they, it's in its. I don't know. Um, I, I I think a lot of people were also kind of panicking when it was like, they're not going to do the takeovers at full sale anymore. And that feels like forever ago that that was a thing. <laughs> like now they, yeah, we, we understand the takeovers happen at the big four pay-per-views at the mm-hmm. same location. It's been accepted. It's, I don't think it hurts anything. Now you could say that the attendance wasn't great and that's true. Full sales always sold out, but it doesn't yeah. hold that many people. And so, though, yeah, I was, I was shocked at how few people full sale held when I was there. I had no concept of how few people that was. And they'll throw one in like in Chicago, like at the site of yeah, payback or something right, like right. that. But they've not done an NXT takeover at full sale since June of last year, because the one yeah. they did in Orlando was conveniently the day before a major pay-per-view. Anna, what do you think this does? Because I I know that they wanted to do takeovers in bigger arenas because they could fill them up. Didn't look to be the case here, although they're selling a lot more than 300, 400 tickets still. I think it's too early to tell. Having one bad show 
in terms of attendance is not, you know, that's kind of throwing the baby out with the bathwater at this point. I think, though, they should just come back to Australia, really, and do a takeover here, and that's that's <laughs> going to be guaranteed gold. So um should do it. I think if – I don't see why they don't, like, whenever they're overseas. I think it gives NXT much more of a global feel. Like, the London thing, it, it makes it feel bigger than it, than it really is. Uh, Jeff, anything to add to that? Uh, they're taping at center stage in Atlanta, yeah. which is interesting from a historical perspective as that's where the WCW tapings moved to the Saturday night ones uh, post Techwood Drive Studios. Um, I would have not even done three tapings here. I would have done one taping here, one taping maybe in a, in London, and maybe one in Chicago as opposed to the three. I understand for cost reasons that's it but i i don't view nxt as a good touring brand in terms of that because i think one of the reasons why they had a problem selling out the show last night in san antonio in addition to roh is the fact that well there's a pay-per-view tomorrow or there's a takeover tomorrow why do we need to come to this show when nothing big is going to happen unless it's on the television show i would i would just go to the hot crowds that they have in places like even la because the la nxt show i went to that first one was smoking hot in terms of that crowd. That's where you do your TV tapings and you do it in front of a different crowd. You kind of rotate it so that you don't burn out. I can't, I have problems with this full sale crowd because they're a little jaded. They're a little spoiled. They're a little jaundiced and their energy dies as, as any crowd does. If you've ever been to one of these TV tapings, they take, I mean, you, you've been to, to at least this one. Yeah. They take a long time. And so by the time you get to the end of the night, when you're building that big angle, everybody's just exhausted. Just do one night in a real hot city, make your product seem hot and move on from there. Alex, I'll ask you this. How do you think they bridge this gap with TV? Cause obviously they have next week's TV done. Yeah. When's the next tape? The next taping is Wednesday, November 29th, right? That's when that's the night, the next show airs. Yeah. Uh, that's so good. Do they run a live hour? Is that something they can do or that they will do? I would love for them to, to see that because kind of cool because there's a lot of stuff you like. You accept the fact that they're never going to do a title change at, at, at NXT, you know, because those tapings happen months in advance and people they know the spoilers. Mm-hmm. So you know, it's one of those things where they, they had amazing, amazing title matches over the past several months. That one between Nikki Cross and Asuka was just insane. But you know, well, well, as soon as they announce it's going to happen, you know there's no way Nikki Cross beats Asuka on a TV taping. So there's that, that kind of takes away from it. If they did a live episode of NXT and put a couple of title matches on there, that would have been that would that would be event viewing for me. You know what I mean? So I hope that's what they do, but I, honestly, I don't know. That's a good point. Uh that they that they don't they have that gap there for one um, for one one week, but yeah, uh, we'll we'll see where they go from there. Um, but uh, uh, yeah, this 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 brand is in such good shape with all these characters and different ways and different pairings you can do that uh, the, the the few months from here until um, the Royal Rumble one in Philadelphia, um, there's just so many things they can do, and I'm really looking forward to where they go. Old Man Hawkins, what do you think about the new war games? Where? I'll tell you. No, um, I, uh, 
I, th- <laughs> I thought it was a mess, but it was a fun mess. And yes. um, no, you know, it, it's not my war games, but it was a war games, and it was it was still a lot of fun. It 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 it, it was weird. My my thinking coming out, my big overall point was it started as a war games and it turned into an ECW cage match uh, from from ni- nineteen ninety six or so. Um, with all the plunder and stuff. I I thought the authors of pain were going to be saved for that last team to come out and get the roar spot. But now it makes so sense. The to put... crew, apparently. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that was, I did. I didn't understand that. I mean, it's like they took that stupid elimination chamber, random light. And now as opposed to the coin toss, which I always liked or whatever you wanted to do there, there are better ways to figure out what team's going to go next than, you know, lighting and having issues with that um but i enjoyed it there there are a few too many you know tower of doom spots for my liking but man you you asked uh before um takeover started who'd who'd be the uh alexander wolf Mm -hmm. of this one i think it was killian dane i think they wanted to be killian dane at the very least you could tell this this match was designed for him to shine oh yeah and and he did there there were god I can't believe that they missed the was it Akam or Rezar and Killian Dane doing the double um, Samoan drop body slam and then getting up to face each other. The camera missed that because they were only on one side and focusing, and you can only see the author of Pain in the background doing the same thing. That was such a cool spot, and then they get up to do that. Um, there, there are a lot of those types of set pieces they did. That was fine. Um, and I got blood, even though it was kind of uh, un, un, unintended. So, but uh, I hope Alexander Wolf is okay. Yeah, let me let me walk through my notes. Putting Sanity in cages first was the right move, and having Undisputed Era come out second, right after that to taunt them, was an even better move. I really yes. like that. Uh, Roderick Strong, Bushwhacker Roddy here did not <laughs> did not look right. Well, you he know. He looked like he was going to grab Funaki from the front row and start licking his face. I think it would have been cool. It would have been cool if they hadn't have just done that with Kurt Angle and the Shield. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. They're yeah. really selling the creator wrestler thing for 2K18. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, not a lot happens in the first five minutes. Undisputed Air hit the ring. You can say much of the same until the Authors of Pain hit the ring, but there's a light botch. The light goes on to Sanity. And then the ref points over. No, it's them. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the, ref was unlock- but- the ref was unlocking the cage when the light was on the other <laughs> team, too. Yeah. Which like, uh. Authors of Pain heave everyone into the other ring. This was an awesome spot. It was really cool. Killian Dane comes in, locks everyone in the ring, and then eats the key. <laughs> uh, Alexander Wolf smuggled in a nightstick. Uh, Killian Dane bringing in a bunch of weapons got a good pop. Him bringing in tables got an even bigger pop. I noted that Bobby Fish had some stiff leg kicks, and then uh, they did an even stiffer chasing the dragon on Roderick Strong. That was nasty looking. And this is where we get into the the real action of this match. Kylo Riley gets strong and or gets creative with a, a chain and applies an arm bar, gets a flying elbow drop done to him. Uh, this is move after move, and a lot of people, you know, you'll have those people that say, what, what, why, why? There's nine people in one 
structure as WWE calls it. There's not going to be a lot of, well, we're going to work that. We're going to work the lag. Now we're going to work this. We're going to work that. It's nine people. It goes move after move after move. How do you think that this format worked, Anna? I think it worked once all the teams were in there. And for me, it was, you know, they all had their individual spots. They all brought their individual things. But as soon as Sanity brought out the weapons, that to me was like, okay, I, I guess I get that that's their thing. But this is the most logic to me in this kind of a match. And they're all locked in a cage with a bunch of weapons. And it's called War Games. It's kind of, that would be what I would do. Um, that, yeah, from that point on, it, it picked up and it was just mass carnage everywhere. I deliberately haven't gone back and watched the original War Games because I wanted to watch this from a new, entirely new perspective and I knew you guys would bring the other side. And to me, it was kind of like, okay, this is something cool and different for them to do and I get the history of it. But in terms of these three teams, I think having just having that little squabble at the end of an NXT and then William Regal coming out and saying, you guys are insane. You're going to be put into war games. Wasn't quite enough to merit this match for me. Cause it was just like, okay, well it's cool. Um, and this is something different, but the lead up to the carnage onwards was just kind of like, okay. Okay. Interesting, different, sure. A few of the big spots we see, a super collider, and then it's uh, Young hitting a Death Valley driver on a member of Authors of Pain. That was really cool to see. There, Like I mentioned, there was a double tower doom spot, which kind of sat a little odd with me considering we saw one in a couple matches before. But there sure as hell was not a super German suplex through the table on Alexander Wolf and man that guy got messed up in this match. He rolled over to the corner and he was just screwed up. He was bleeding. I was like sh- shove a rag in his head or something like it was looking gross. It was looking gross. Alex, this this it's this really unfortunate to see to anybody but for a guy who like like Jeff and I have kind of joked had such a breakout performance at the last NXT this is really, really disappointing. Uh, yeah, I'm. I'm not sure what um, what was planned for him to do for the rest of the match. That was a giant spot that I think was supposed to put him out until everybody got up and caught the super superplex off the top of the cage. <laughs> but during that, if you notice, he wasn't a part of that. He was still laying over there on the uh, on the side, and I thought to myself, I hope he's not heavily like factors into the finish that they had planned for the match because I don't know if he can go. And then as I'm typing that he gets up and he's a part of something and then he lays out and he's done. So he got up with his head gushing blood, you know, whatever kind of grade concussion he had and he gets up and he does something. And then he says, I'm out. And while he says I'm out, he's lying there and you can see blood just pouring out of the back of his head all down his arm and yeah yeah it's gross um yeah Killian Dane goes coast to coast that was kind of cool to see <laughs> in an NXT ring then we get to uh, the point of contention for a lot of people was the top or lack thereof on the cage i didn't have a problem with it because they specified if you leave you forfeit the match 
and it played perfectly into the finish. Well, not the finish. Roderick Strong superplexes Adam Cole off the cage onto a pile of people in one of the goddamnedest things I've ever seen in my life. Jeff, should this have been the finish, considering how quickly and how the finish played out? Should this should they have just went with this as the finish? Yes, because you can't top that. You can't. Yeah, <laughs> anything compared to that is going to be anticlimactic unless he's going through three different tables and getting slammed. The crowd, the crowd seemed ready for it too. Like, which is one of the reasons I didn't want the pinfall stipulation in there. That's just stupid for war games to have that. You, you can, you can do this spot and then put him in a submission move and just have him tap or whatever. You don't need, especially with Bobby Fish and Kyle O'Reilly in the ring. Yeah, and 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 plus, you already have nine guys in there. You don't need two referees. Hmm. Get them out. Have them have the microphone like the old days and stick it in there and they can surrender from there. You don't need the pinfall. It, it's once it, it was so weird because I could see where they were scripting this out. They go, and then it goes back to the three original guys doing moves on each other while everybody's out. I'm just like, no, we don't need that button on it. Do yeah. it after the big move. You don't need the extra coda to it. I thought that would have been the, the primary finish. And, you know, I enjoy covering Ring of Honor in New Japan. By the way, we're going to do a Ring of Honor post-show after Final Battle in December, so tune into that, guys. Also, I'll be doing one the day of fo- – well, the afternoon following Wrestle Kingdom as well. I'll wait until about 4 or 5 Eastern and do one then. That way people have, a time, have time to catch up. But constantly on pay-per-views in like the third or fourth match on Ring of Honor pay-per-views, they go about five minutes too long, and the crowd's totally ready for the match to be over. And there's like some pile driver off the second rope that's landed, and the crowd's ready. One, two, three. No. And then the crowd is flat after that. And they just don't – they just – they're not ready. I don't want to say the crowd fell flat, but this was the perfect opportunity to get out of the match. Anna, what did you think about what followed it up? Do you think that Wolf's injury maybe played a role in that? Um, I don't think so. I think they were pretty set on having the three originals being the center point for the rest of it. I just would like a video loop of Adam Cole sliding across the top of that, <laughs> just on repeat. That made my night. Um, yeah, I mean, from that, it was just this is funny. Um, from that point on, I was distracted by the refs ten mainly, but it just seemed kind of. Yeah. The other the other thought I had, though, was I would have hated to have been the ref at that point because you have your, you know, the kayfabe job of seeing who's pinning who, but also the shoot job of shit. Are these guys still breathing? Um, and that would be absolutely terrifying. So maybe that brought out some kind of serotonin levels in him that changed the color of his skin. I don't know. Adam Cole gets the win. Undisputed era. Victorious. A lot of what-ifs about the future of several of these guys and what they can do, what's left for them to do. Yeah. I think that Undisputed Era was the right the right call here, but you've now got a heel champion and you've got a heel or a heel group that went over in, in the main event. What would you think of all this, Alex? The finish. Uh, um well that's the whole that the reason that you, you can't have I mean I guess you had you could have had Adam Cole suplex Roddy. But if you have, if you're going to have undisputed era go over, uh, the finish can't be exactly that superplex uh, because it's mm-hmm. Roddy doing it to Cole. Um, you're right; sure. the finish finish was anticlimactic. 
Um, like, yes, you know, hitting a dude with a knee into a chair, into his face would end the match. But after everything we saw, that being the end, you know, doesn't feel like it measures up to the other spots we saw. Um, I had a problem with a lot of this whole buildup. I have no idea why Roddy is all of a sudden friends with Authors of Pain. Uh, he doesn't have anything against Sanity. Like the whole point of war games was that it was always teams that hated each other. Everybody hated each other. And that's what was that led to the whole thing of like why it had to be settled in war games. And why also they made you give up, not just get pinned, but actually have to say, I quit, I surrender. That was the whole point of it. And the roof kind of made it feel more important, um, more different than a regular cage match. Now, I appreciate they say, if you escape, you forfeit, which, in my opinion, should be the rule of all cage matches, because that's stupid. Leaving the yes. cage is just stupid. But, Preach! But Preach, brother! Once, once Cole, Cole started climbing the cage when there were just Eric Young and Roddy Strong in there, where's he going? He's not going to escape. He's going to forfeit when there's... He can't forfeit, because... And what happens if you forfeit? There's just two teams left. It's weird. And why he comes up to the top and they said, well, if he, if we touch the floor, his team forfeits. And then what? And then what? Like, what, what, what is the consequences of that? Like, there are none. Um, but this match was sloppy fun. And I, I liked a lot of it. It just wasn't, it wasn't war games. You know, because the people, those of us who know what war games is, we were expecting it to be war games and it wasn't war games. It was something else and a, and a lot of fun, but I also felt like they didn't use both rings enough. There were a lot of stuff that was going on where all nine guys were in one ring and then they kind of split out a little bit. And the, the biggest problem I had with the entire night is that in all the matches that took place in one ring, the other ring was never used. Like there. Yeah. Nikki Cross can't like run from one thing to the other, jump up and like there's gotta be something. You would think there would be a springboard, like nobody even got like clotheslined from one ring into the other. Like all the all I wish the there were like minor explanations on this. Just like, right. hey, they're not allowed to do that. Otherwise, right. it's fine. That's all it takes. It takes yeah. one explanation. A little, a little thing because because in other war games pay-per-views. In the matches that took place in one ring, you better believe it spilled out into the other ring, and that made it more special. The whole event was more special. Um, the right team went over. However, their whole deal was that they were trying to come for Drew McIntyre's championship. And now what? Do they hate Almas now? Like, it's a weird deal. Um, but, I mean, maybe they can all – maybe it's the, the – this is the one thing. NXT is the perfect place for a trios championship. It'll never happen. But the Undisputed Era versus all of Sanity together is a feud that could last months and I'd watch it forever. Like there's all kinds of things they can do with it. But I agree with Drew being hurt, A, and also B, not being champion anymore. I don't know what Adam Cole's there to do. You know what I mean? Unless you hot shot the title under Roddy. From Almas, and I hope they don't do that. I don't know what Adam Cole's there to do. You know, I don't agree with you there, though. They've set up the Undisputed Era as this faction that's going to come in and mess things up for NXT as a whole. So I don't 
think there was a generally it was a, you know, a vendetta against Drew personally. True. It's just that's the title. We're going to go after that. True. These guys have the title. We're going to go after that, which is how they debuted them all as well as coming into the tag match and then coming into the final championship match. So I don't think there's an issue with that. Andrade almost might get babyface reactions after this too. So I mean, I mean, he, it is a bit of a redemption story within storyline. Uh, we had a prediction piece up. Thanks to David Tease for compiling that. All fourteen of our staff members picked Lars Sullivan to win. Thirteen picked uh, Alistair Black to win, as opposed to one picking Velveteen Dream. Only uh, four of our members picked Ember Moon. That was Mike, Pat, Danielle, and Jeremy. And uh, let's see, we had only two people picking Andrade Almas. Alex, you were one of them. I was so happy when he won. I was, I was like, yes, I was right. <laughs> uh, 12 selected the Undisputed Era to win. I think we, we had a pretty good batting average there. Guys, we have a live post show tomorrow night after Survivor Series. It's going to be a big one. It is a long show, and hopefully, I mean, we went longer on this show than I would hope. I'm hoping we don't have to go like super long tomorrow night. We try to get all of our information in there. I wanted to give you four people on this panel because I thought with three, you know, we got five matches and no segments. So there's, you know, we're talking about essentially moves that are being done and mannerisms and facial expressions. There's a lot less to break down on stuff like this. But uh, thanks to Jeff for joining us tonight as well. Jeff, tell the people about Shake Them Ropes. Well, while you all are doing your live post show tomorrow, we will also be doing ours, although we will be... I know you won't. Well, ours will come out in podcast form as opposed to being broadcast live like yours, I believe. Um, But we're going to go over NXT as well, um, and that'll be our show for the week because I'm flying out on Wednesday for Thanksgiving, so... (laughs) Anna, tell me what you're up to these days, who you're working with, what all you got going on. Uh, New Moist Ridiculous is out tomorrow. I've got to go now and finish the damn thing. And I am working with um, Explosive Pro Wrestling, EPW Perth. Follow them on Twitter. And we have one of the biggest nights of the year is this coming Saturday, Reawakening 16. If you're in the area or you can get to the area, I would suggest you get there because it's going to be awesome. Really excited to see all the stuff you do with them. Alex, what are you doing these days besides running or writing about killer umbrellas? Uh, I'm, I'm wrangling a 10 month old, so that keeps me busy, but, uh, I'm looking forward to getting back into the off track with a train articles whenever something wacky happens, then I can report on it. Uh, but I'm, yeah, tomorrow night promises to be nuts. And then Monday, you know, some of these people might be called up that, you know, that didn't, uh, didn't win, you know? So, um, I'm, I got my fingers crossed for the iconic duo. Like, I know we're kind of bursting at the seams with great women up there, but they're so good together. I didn't get a chance to talk about it, but that moment they had at the top of the ramp before Peyton Royce came down, like, really was honestly touching. Like, I love these two girls. And I, I mean, like, even though they're heels, I love them, and I, I, I want the best for them. So, yeah, I'm hoping that we see a couple of call-ups on, uh, on Monday. You can follow Jeff at crapgame 13 Follow Anna at Anna Bauer. Follow Alex at Palowski the fourth. You can follow me at Sean Ross Sapp. You can follow us at Fightful Online, and we also have individual 
Twitter accounts for wrestling and MMA as well. If you guys have just checked out the podcast and haven't checked out Fightful.com, you got to do it. We have exclusives there all the time. Every single day you go to Fightful.com, you'll see something there, some bit of news that is exclusive to Fightful.com until somebody comes up and picks it up. But we've got a ton of podcasts every week, uh, post-Raw Monday, post-Smackdown Tuesday. We had The List and Your Boy on Wednesday, which is our founder of Fightful.com, Jimmy Van and myself. Uh, we, we touch on wrestling, the business side of wrestling, behind the scenes of running a wrestling website, an MMA website, a lot of stuff like that. And, of course, I do uh, post shows for UFC as well. On our YouTube, I've been doing news updates that complement our news articles. So subscribe to us there. Leave us a thumbs up. Comment. Share with everybody. I really appreciate your support. Outside of, I think, maybe TakeOver before WrestleMania, this is probably our most viewed live uh, TakeOver post show. So I want to thank you guys so much for that. I really appreciate it. Head over to those Fightful.com forums. Register. It's absolutely free. Talk to us. We're always doing contests. Uh, Sometime before Royal Rumble, I'm going to do a special Fightful Books It podcast where I discuss changes I would make to the Royal Rumble concept. And that will be exclusive to members uh, for the first probably a few weeks, and then I'll release it uh, otherwise. But guys, join us tomorrow night. Thumbs up, subscribe, like, and thank you guys so much. Until next time, we're out. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.